you are beginning to see, you are just beginning to see the exceeding greatness of my power that works toward you as a believer. Your eyes are going to continue to be enlightened, to be opened. Ways that you've understood in a theological sense are going to be unveiled. And you're going to begin to see that the things you've believed theologically are really true. That my power really does work toward you in that way. That I really can do exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ask or think according to that power that is at work in you. This will be a year of revelation, a year of unveiling, where you're going to begin to see things, where your imagination is going to be able to go according to what you know is true in my word. You're going to allow your heart to go there, which is going to allow your hope to go there. And you're going to begin to see things, my power, my ways, my word, bigger than your circumstances, bigger than your situations. You're going to begin to see me forgiving all your sins, healing all your diseases, seeing me leading you into those paths of righteousness for my name's sake, those places, those good works I've ordained you to walk in. A year of light, a year of increase, a year of seeing things that you've already known theologically. There is going to be an unveiling. The drop cloth is going to come off and you're going to begin to see some things. You're going to sense the Holy Spirit in you giving you yourself permission to go there. You're going to sense a permission to go there, to see things different. Permission to go there, to see yourself completely free. Permission to go there, to see my hand, to see my hand at work in that area of your life too. There's going to be a seeing and a knowing by my spirit. You're going to sense that prompting. When you sense that prompting, don't, don't turn away from it. Don't quelch it. Don't, don't do something different. Listen to that. Let that prompting bubble up in you. Like Moses, when he saw that strange sight, he turned aside to see. There's going to be some burning bush promptings of my spirit, but you're going to have to turn aside to see them. You're going to have to pursue them. You're going to have to believe I'm going to reward you as you're diligently seeking me in that area. I'm going to begin to show you things, show you things by my spirit. Praise you, Father God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. That's what I'm sensing in my spirit, just kind of, just a, per, a permission to imagine, to see things different according to what's already true according to his word. Oh, Father God, we go there. We allow ourselves to see those things different. We receive your permission. Praise God to see you doing exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or think even in that area or this area or this situation, financial, relation, physical, whatever it is, Father God. We see the exceeding greatness of your power working toward our lives this morning. Oh, Father, we thank you for it. We thank you, Lord. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Welcome to the Door of Life Church Podcast. Our mission is to share the love of Jesus with the world and believers, to teach them how to walk in victory, and to help them find and fulfill God's plan for their life. If you have any comments about today's podcast, please contact us through our website at dooroflife.org.
Door of Life Church, where faith meets real life. All right, well again, good morning, welcome, I'm so glad again you guys could be here this morning and um, just have a good time of getting, the Bible says, the times of refreshing come from the presence of the Lord and um, it's so good to get in His presence and just let the Spirit of God refresh you. You know, His mercies are, they're new every morning and that's the exciting thing too, you just, even coming to church every Sunday, there's something new, it's, there's an element of you know, just what's God going to say? What God, what's God going to do today? But So receive that word. I just sense that the Lord is just showing us, encouraging us that he's going to open our eyes to see some things that we already know theologically in, in a new and powerful way that's going to change our here and now. So praise God. Um, we're going to go ahead and get started in the, the word this morning in a passage out of Peter. This is 1 Peter 3.15 and we're going to take a look at a couple of scriptures back to back, and I think we'll kind of see a good theme come out of this. First Peter 3.15, he says, if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it, but do this in a gentle and respectful way. It's new living. Always be ready to give a logical defense to anyone who asks you to account for the hope that is in you, but do it courteously and respectfully. So we see here, Peter is, you know, talking to believers. He's saying, there's a hope in you. He's saying, be ready. Have something in your heart. Have something prepared in your heart to be able to talk about the hope that is within you. You know, certainly the hope of salvation, the hope we have in Christ. But sometimes there can be a hope in you that relates to different areas of life. It could be provision. It could be relational. It could be, you know, different areas that you see people might have a need in where God has done something in your life, that there's a hope, that there's an experience that you have. So there's a lot of different ways we can prepare that hope that is on the inside of us and just kind of have, you know, that prepared hope. Also, Revelation 19.10 brings out another aspect of this. This is John is he's caught up to heaven. He's just relating this vision, and he comes in contact with this angelic being, and he said, and I fell at his feet to worship him, but he, this angel said, see that you do not do that. I'm your fellow servant and of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. That's a pretty powerful statement. The testimony of Jesus Christ is the spirit of of prophecy. Now, as we think about these scriptures back to back, just, you know, Peter admonishing us, you know, have that hope, have that, have that hope in you in a way that if somebody asks you, you could just tell about that hope that is on the inside of you. The other side of this is the fact that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. If you're a Christian, if you have faith in Christ, then Part of your story has the testimony of Jesus Christ. There is the testimony of Jesus in your story. The hope that is in you has an element of the spirit of prophecy in it. There's just a powerful truth that as you begin to declare what God has done, that there is a spiritual anointing on that word, on that story. This morning, I just really want to look at knowing your own story, okay? Knowing your own story. Why? Why do we need to know our own story? Why do we need to know 
One of the reasons is because that story that we have holds in that story the hope that is on the inside of us. And not only that, but in the telling of that story, there is a spirit of prophecy. There is an anointing on your story that involves God, that involves Jesus. And I've just found that in my own life too. It seems like people that really do things for God, one of the things I've found, they have this common denominator. They know their story really well. And they can tell their story really well. Of course, the Apostle Paul, as you read through the book of Acts, he's telling his story over and over and over. He's telling his story. Before kings, he's telling his story. He knows that story. A lot of people that I had followed, you guys know I went to Ramah, Kenneth Hagin. Man, I feel like I could tell his story about as good as he can. That, that boy, that 17-year-old boy with the incurable blood disease, you know, laying on on his deathbed, basically, reading Grandma's Methodist Bible and reading and finally coming to Mark 11, 23, 24, and, you know, just believing and, you know, that he receives and just that whole testimony and God raising him up. Somebody that knows their story. Another powerful influence in my life was Nikki Cruz. Guy was brought up, you know, in a horrible, abusive home, ended up going out on the streets of New York City in the mid-50s, became the leader of a gang, got saved, and I'll tell you what, went around since that time telling his story. I remember bringing Lindsay to a banquet in Milwaukee once. It was a Teen Challenge banquet, and Nikki was actually the speaker. And it was this really kind of a little bit of a highfalutin banquet, really nice tables and great meal. It was kind of a donor banquet, you know, where they're raising money for Teen Challenge and whatnot. And Nikki got up there and, you know, he was kind of the keynote speaker to talk and encourage people. I'll tell you what, he began to tell his story about he, how he was this young boy. And then that, that preacher came into town and he received the love of God and it changed his life. And as he began to tell, you could say something that dropped on that, that banquet. And it was just like the anointing. He's just telling his story about what God did in my life. And there's a testimony of Jesus in that. There's a, there's a spirit of prophecy in that. There's something supernatural because his story becomes part of your story. And when they're together, there's an anointing on your story because of what he's done in you. And when he began to, we had, you know, this banquet had was several hundred people, probably four or 500 people. And there was like at least 25, 30 people that went forward to receive Jesus at a banquet to raise money, you know, for Teen Challenge, but he gave that invitation, but there was such a powerful anointing and grace on his life, on his story, and I've just noticed that. People that know their story have a story to tell, and it, it's a great way to break the ice in different things. I don't, I'm not like I'm having to go with my Bible and say, you know, um, you just have your story in your heart, just something God did in you, and there's an anointing on that story. There's value. What Peter is admonishing us, to know your own story. You have an amazing story. You really do. And I'm just, you know, believing God that this morning, as we kind of go through, and this is kind of be a little bit of an exercise on how to do that. How do I tell my own story? Where do I start? Where do I begin in telling my story? I'm just hoping that, you know, the second sermon of the Holy Spirit is going to help to unveil to you your own story in a way that's going to help you communicate that, to relate that, because you have a story to tell. Um, so let's get started. The first aspect of just telling your own story is to know your, your backstory, okay? Your backstory. We see this backstory, and as we go through 
knowing your own story. We're going to look at Paul relating his own story. Paul's a good storyteller. He knows how to tell his own story. So we're going we're gonna to see Paul tell his story, and we're going to learn some things from that as we look at it. The Apostle Paul puts it this way. He said, he said then he said, I am indeed a Jew born in Tarsus, Tarsus of Cilicia, but was brought up in the city at the feet of Gamaliel, taught according to the strictness of our father's law, was zealous toward God as you all are today. I persecuted this way, he's talking about Christianity, to the death, binding and delivering into prison both men and women, as, all, as also the high priest bears me witness, and that all the council of the elders from whom I also received letters to the brethren and went to Damascus to bring in chains even those who were in Jerusalem to be punished. Now it happened as I journeyed and came near Damascus at about noon, suddenly a great light from heaven shone around me. And I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So I answered, who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. And those who were with me indeed saw the light and were afraid, but they did not hear the voice of him who spoke to me. So I said, what shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, Arise, go to Damascus, and there you will be told all the things which are appointed for you to do. So here, this is the Apostle Paul. He's just sharing his story, okay? But the cool thing about this story, and the cool thing about your story, is you see that there's red in there. In other words, the testimony of Jesus is in his story. There's a collision of stories here. He's on his way to Damascus, and something happens. There's an event. There is something that, that got his attention. But the cool thing that you see here is in his story, in your story, in my story, the people that were with him didn't hear the voice that Paul heard. Only Paul, only, he's Saul here. He becomes Paul. That name, you know, he has a dual citizenship, but here he's referred to as Saul. But the people that were with him didn't hear that voice. And there is something about your life, your backstory. I mean, why are you even here today? Do you realize only about 20, 25% of Americans attend church on a Sunday morning? Jesus said, wide is the path that leads to destruction. Narrow is the way that leads to life. And yet here you are. How did you get here? Why would you spend a Sunday morning hungering after something spiritual. You're not normal. You're not, <laughs> you're not, you're not swaying. You're, you're, why? How did you get it? How did you get it? How did you come out from the wide path and find yourself here? I mean, it just, just happened. There's a backstory there. To come to church on a Sunday, just that in of itself is evidence that there's something in you. There's something that happened. Paul has a Damascus Road experience. He had an event. There are events in your life that happened. There are events in your life that caused you to hear something that Paul's friends didn't hear, but Paul heard it. And there are, th I remember I've related this story where it was a, a, a talent show that we had uh, for the um, for Bridges, you know, the, the foreign students would come and we would do all kinds of events throughout the summers and outreach to them. And it was the last event of the year and this little Chinese girl, one of the workers, told me to come over there and there was in the back row back there a little Chinese girl who wanted to know about Jesus and, and how to receive Jesus. 
And I remember looking at her, and it's like, wow, this is like the easiest leading somebody to the Lord situation I've ever had in my life. And she's just so smiling and beaming, and she's just said, she said, I've just watched these workers, and these are the Bridges workers, throughout the whole summer, and they've just got this joy and this love and this passion. She said, I want what they have. And I remember just looking at the cross here and just explaining to her, pointing to that cross from back there, explaining her to the gospel and all that. And, um, and she had also in the back where there's probably four friends right back there with her. And um, I'm looking back at them and saying, do you want, and she said, all you got to do is really receive a prayer, call upon the name of the Lord to receive him. And I remember looking at her friends there and said, do you, do you guys want to do this too? And they're like, no, we don't want anything to do with this. And I look back at her and she's just beaming. Yeah. There was things she was hearing that they weren't hearing. There's things you are hearing that the wide way doesn't hear. It's pretty amazing. You got a story. You're not just here by accident. There's a reason you're here. Natural man doesn't just hunger after spiritual things. There's something about you. Something happened in you. Um, you know, not only do you find in your, uh, in your life that you know, that there are events. I remember for me, probably one of the big events that happened early in my life was just my dog dying, you know? Um, I'm just seven, eight, eight, eight years old, and my dog dies. And all of a sudden, as a little boy, death is real. And I just like, wow. You know, I remember going to bed that night and dreaming about Rusty and saying, oh, Rusty, I thought you died. You know, meeting him halfway in the steps and then waking up, and then he really is gone. And remember, just as a young boy, just remember, death is real. It's not just something in movies or, you know, something that fictional stuff that you see on TV. It's really real that there's going to come a time when we die. You know, then what? Just thinking about that. And I, it was so amazing with the timing of God. You talk about that, was, it, that happened that Sunday. At the very next Sunday in our Lutheran church, I got my blue denim Bible. Oh, and I've, I always thank the Lutherans for giving us that blue denim Bible because my heart was so sensitive at the time. And then getting that Bible, I mean, I began to read that Bible and just remembering how the Holy Spirit and God began to draw in my heart at a young age just, just the power of those words. And I remember reading in that, that part of the Bible where, where Jesus said, don't just love those who love you. Anybody can do that. Love those who are mean to you. Love those who don't like you. So that's what makes you your children of the Father. And I just, just reading those things, it's like, wow. Who talks, who thinks like that? Man doesn't think that way. And those words just beginning to penetrate my heart. Those were, that was an event. It was like a Damascus Road experience that gets your attention off the natural realm to look up and say, God, where is God? There is experiences that you have in God that nobody or nothing can take away. Like sometimes the popular phrase is you can't unsee something. Well, you can't unexperience something that you've had in God. It marks your spirit and you know God is real. And you get those experiences in him, in God. You'll also find too that, like possible, we don't, not going into the depths of it in the scripture here, but you'll see that Paul not only had an experience with God, but he had, he had a supporting character. You know, we said a few weeks ago, I think it was in the, the prep, we had a message on preparation. Your life is really 
You know, Jesus, you know, the, the word says that a thousand years is a day, a day is a thousand years. If you break that down in God time, our about an 80, 90 year lifespan works out to about a two, two and a half hour movie in God time. You're about a two and a two and a half hour movie in God time. And you find out that your life, like that movie, has events and you have supporting characters in your movie. But you've got to realize you're the star of your movie. You're going to stand and give an account for the deeds you've done in this body for your movie. There will be events. There will be supporting characters. You can have different things like that. Now, the Apostle Paul had a supporting character. His name was Barnabas. When the Apostle Paul received Christ, nobody wanted anything to do with Paul. Because, you know, Paul, he was just known for what? He, he was known for gathering up Christians and throwing them into prison. So the idea that, oh, I'm a Christian now, guys, trust me. Tell me where the gathering is tonight. <laughs> yeah, right, Paul, okay. But there was somebody who believed in him, a guy by the name of Barnabas. He believed his testimony. He believed his word. And he brought him, took him under his arm, and got him connected and really helped in his ministry in a powerful way. That's a supporting character. You're going to have some Barnabases in your life. You're going to have some supporting characters in your backstory that get you started, that get you pointed in your life. Now, I'm just, as I'm talking, I just want you to be thinking about events, things, people that are part of your story. You have a story to tell. That story is anointed because the Holy Spirit is at work in your story. For me, another person that was a big part of my story was Miss Lewis and my recreational reading teacher in seventh grade. She did a book report on a book called Run, Baby, Run by Nikki Cruz. And it was really his whole testimony of how he went from, you know, born in this abusive home to gang leader on the streets of New York, ultimately to becoming an evangelistic gospel preacher, you know. But she just got it right up to the point early in the book where he's in the streets of New York City and he's caught by this game called, gang called the Mamas and he's got to choose which initiation he's going to take. You know, whether it's getting beat up by these guys or getting a knife in the armpit or something really gruesome. You know, but all of us boys are going, wow, yeah, awesome. <laughs> and then she just stops it right there. And if you want to know the rest of the story, you got to read the book. You know, she was a good fisher of men. I'll put it that way. She knew how to bait the hook for us guys. She had a bunch of those books in there just ready for us. And Nikki, in she knew Nikki Cruz came into town like about a month later. But she had prepared all of us. We read the book. We read his testimony. And I remember reading that testimony. I mean, it was just, a, you, this, is the this is what God did in my life, all right? I'm not giving you a chapter verse right now. I'm just telling you what God did in my life. There is an anointing on your testimony that will draw people to chapter and verse later. But for now, you got a testimony. You got something to say. You got something that God put in you. For me, you know, reading that book, I look back and I think, wow. Thank you, Lord, for Miss Lewison. Thank you, Lord, for this person who's just somebody who's pointing you, who's affirming your faith, pointing you in that direction. And I remember going to that Nikki Cruz crusade and um, just going forward at that altar call and making the decision and just declaring and praying my own prayer of salvation and saying, you know, that I was with that counselor in the back room in the, 
lunchroom and said, do you want me to pray? I said, no, I just, I know what, or do you want to pray? He said, I, I know what I want to pray. You know, I was raised Lutheran. I knew I was saved by grace through faith. I had a good foundation in me. I'd been reading that Bible. It's amazing experiences in camp and things like that. And I was just like, wow, this is so cool. I just, but I wanted to make that declaration. I made that declaration. I remember experiencing just a real sense of the forgiveness of sins. It was so cool. And so I remember that. I can see that. I can drive that stake in the ground and I can see how I got here. God did these things. There are events and there's people and there's characters in your life. There's supporting characters in this movie that you're the star in right now that God is using to lead you, to guide you, to direct you to him. Be aware of your story. Know your story. Now, a lot of times when you get into these stories and the backstory, sometimes you know people like to think it's almost a, a contest of beat that testimony. You know, who came from the darkest background and you know, praise God for him delivering people from the darkest background. But the, the best story, you know, one of the great stories that there is, is for to be raised in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. To be raised in a place where you've got that good, healthy thing going. You know, so it's not like, oh, I got a boring testimony. I was born into a Christian family. Not at all. I can tell you one thing. I can just know this from being parents of Christian children. You know, just being, you know, being a pastor or being a Christian parent, that doesn't that's not enough for your kids to believe in God. It's not enough for your kids to believe in Jesus. They got to have, they got to hear some things that only they hear by the Spirit of God. They're going to hear some things in their heart that they know is God. Each one of them had their own crisis of faith. How do you know the Bible's the Word of God? Dad, I love you, but you know, how do you know that you know that you know? And uh, I'll tell you every story Every backstory includes that. And I would just tell my kids this. I'd say this, you know, I'd say, you know, I believe the Bible is the word of God and, and really you accept by faith that the Bible is the word of God, but the Bible will prove itself to you that it's the word of God year after year after year. I'd say, I'd say it this way. I believe the Bible is the word of God for years, but I believe it more this year than I did last year. It's just one of those three where your life bumps up against the Bible, you know? I fight authority, and authority always wins. This is the authority of the Word of God. And you find out that the Word is the Word. It is the, the true Word of God. But each of our kids, and it's, it's been really cool, they have their own little stories and backstories and testimonies and things like that. But it's very interesting to see how they'll have their own experiences in God. And a lot of times it's just, you know, we're all human beings. We all have decisions to make. We all have flesh we all have temptation and things like that. And at some point, you know what the, that, that scripture says, you know, train them in the way they should go. You're, you're putting a core in them. You're putting a baseline. You can't control every little thing. You're not to play God. You're just putting, you're putting a center in there for them to be able to come back to. And I'll just tell you what, that's one of the great testimonies that there are when we can just put that center, we can put that foundation in our kids um, and they can just experience a lot of good things in life. And so there's no competition or weirdness of testimony. Whatever your testimony is, it's supernatural. Regardless of the event, regardless of the supporting cast, there is a testimony that you have that at some point you knew, you believed that God is God. You called upon his name. You received him for yourself. So there's a backstory we have. Not only do we have a backstory, but we have a growth story. All right, we got here. We believed in Jesus. And then something has happened along the way. 
as we're beginning to just what we call grow up spiritually, and again, here's the Apostle Paul's story. He said, dear brothers and sisters, I want you to understand that the gospel message I preach is not based on mere human reasoning. I received my message from no human source, and no one taught me. Instead, I received it by direct revelation from Jesus. You know what I was like when I followed the Jewish religion, how I violently persecuted God's church. I did my best to destroy it. I was far ahead of my fellow Jews in my zeal for the tradition of my ancestors. He said, when this happened, I did not rush out and consult with any human being, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to consult with those who were apostles before me, before I was. Instead, I went away into Arabia. Later, I returned to the city of Damascus. Then three years later, I went to Jerusalem to get to know Peter and stayed with him for 15 days. The only other apostle I met at that time was James, the Lord's brother. So the apostle Paul is referring to the fact that there was a combination. You know, when he received, he was the apostle of God, of course, and he, God used him to usher in what we'd call, if you're in theological service, the Pauline revelation, just that revelation of, you know, salvation by grace through faith and building that legal case in the book of Romans, how man has fallen short, but God's provided Jesus. Now we have freedom and victory. That really kind of almost the behind the scenes of the cross. The apostle Paul got tremendous revelation. And so he got that from the Lord. But then he did go later on and consult with um, Peter and James and stayed with them. He had that fellowship, that conversation with them. And what we want to realize in our lives too, in this kind of similar parallel, there's going to be times where we're getting stuff from, a, from teachers, ministers, and this is kind of, again, this is our growth story. Just be thinking about different people, different ways God uses to grow you up spiritually. In our lives, we see in Ephesians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul says, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, the pastors and teachers, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work, to build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue till we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. The old King James says, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. There's a maturing, there's a developing, and as you can see in our lives too, we have we have a maturing and developing that one of the ways is, is through the gifts that God gives to the church, different offices, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. They're, they have an equipping work. They help to mature us. It's right, it's true that there's a pastor on a Sunday morning who divides the word for you in some different areas to help you understand what the word of God says, to help grow, to help learn. This is all scriptural, what we're doing here this morning. It's part of God's plan and design in terms of equipping and building up and nurturing. There is that part. And, and you can think of in your story, people, ministers, gifts, offices that God has used in your life to help equip you, to build you up, to mature you. I mean, it's amazing when I think about you know, I think about certainly my, my early pastors in my life who really helped to equip me to, um, to really uh, kind of get some things straight in my life and in my heart. Um, you know, I, I think of one of the events that happened in my growth story, you could say, is I had dated a gal, this isn't Julie, but she was a Pentecostal gal who went to a certain denomination that believed that if you didn't speak in tongues, you weren't a Christian, Okay? you know, they came along too late to tell me that if I didn't speak in tongues, I wasn't a Christian. <laughs> I've been walking with the Lord for years, wonderful relationship with him. I knew better than that. 
And so it was one of those situations, though, and I'm talking about your spiritual growth story. You're going to have these things that will happen in your life. It's just like something just almost hits you off the side. What? Where did that come from? But one of the things that will happen sometimes when things like this happen is even though the thinking is this, if you don't speak in tongues, you don't really have the Holy Spirit. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're not a Christian. Well, when you receive the Lord, you're, you, you, you're born of the Spirit. And so, I mean, I knew this. I knew that this was not right. I, and then I knew I needed to break that relationship off because there was just something that it just was not right. It was not right, wrong, wrong, wrong. But I remember from reading my little blue denim Bible that there was something in there about strange languages. And a lot of times it'll happen in your spiritual growth story. Sometimes you'll get, maybe you'll get offended enough to go back into the Word of God and begin to dig around and find some things. And that's what happened to me. I remember I, I went back. And actually, I, was, I went back into the Word to see. I was a believer. I didn't have to speak in tongues to be a believer. That was something that, you know, it happens subsequently. It's, 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 it's a subsequent experience. But I remember, um, you know, even going around with her pastor, and she was not happy with me because I was going into the Word to, to show him in my blue denim Bible <laughs> how as many as who call upon the name of the Lord are saved. It's that simple. I'm saved by grace through faith. It's a gift of God. I believe on Him. It. That's it. And so it was one of those things, though, that I realized that, you know what? I'm going to dig into the Word of God. I'm going to find out some more things. And it was strange. You know, I remember going to her church and seeing a lot of the exuberance and things like that. In my mind, it was strange because I just kind of thought everybody was Lutheran or Catholic. You know, I was a good old Claire boy, and that's kind of what I just thought. My friends were either Lutheran or Catholic, as far as I knew, as maybe the, the close friends that I hung out with. And so I knew that God was leading me and guiding me to, to do something, to go deeper in the Word and to go into some places. And I remember um, that that started something where I began to see it didn't make me a Christian, but it's there. It's there. And I remember going around that summer to some different churches in the area to find out. And, I really, and then I found a church. And this is one of my supporting characters, uh, Pastor uh, Paulzer, uh, Philip Paulzer from Bethel Church. Um, back in the day, he sat me down and I said, what is this? I said, this tongue thing, I can't, it's in the word, but I, I'm not saved. And he's, he's like, oh, Ed, he said, that's fine. He says, you're saved. You're a believer. I know you know the Lord. He said, no, that's, that's something that, that's it's a gift that's available to you, but that's not what saves you. That's just another dimension in prayer that you have with the Lord. He put it in the proper perspective. He helped mature me. He helped me to, he helped me, he really divided the word though in a way that I could see it. In a way, went back to Samaria and they received the word with joy. They were baptized and then they got back. So I, I could see it later. He, he, he said it better than I knew how to say it to that girl's pastor at the time. But he, it, it clicked. And I remember that just freed me up. It's like, ah, oh. because if you're trying to receive it to get saved, that, there's a lot of pressure on yourself spiritually. And I remember later on, you know, just in the quietness of my own bedroom, just by myself, just worshiping the Lord, my hallelujahs just turned into that language. And I was like, wow, pray this is what, it, it's so simple, so easy. It's like, wow, praise God, you know, but it was real. That's an experience that Praise God, you can't unexperience that. That's real. That was, that was something that was precious, intimate. But I thank God for the supporting cast of characters that the Lord puts in my life to help mature 
and to help understand some things and put things in a better light like that. Um, and I remember too, you know, I'll say this too. When I left, I remember, remember I ended, ended up going to that church because I wanted to get fed there. When I left the Lutheran church, I wrote my pastor a really nice letter and said, thank you for all the years that you've poured into me. I've appreciated it. You have blessed me. And I just want you to know, Jesus said to love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, that I am doing that. And I'm just pursuing what the Lord is putting on my heart to do. You know, sometimes in our charismatic Pentecostal circles, we feel like you got to have a chip on your shoulder toward denominational. No, you don't. You appreciate, you receive, all things are yours. You glean everything you have and give thanks for it. And so I left and went to this church, but I didn't go mad. I just went, praise God, this is where the Lord's leading me to go. That kind of a thing. That spirit is important because that's his spirit on us. Very gracious, very kind. And um, not only that, but as we are equipped and we are led by, you know, as God, as God puts into us and helps, has people in our story supporting characters that help guide us, there's also an element that we have like the Apostle Paul. I didn't get it by man. I got it by revelation of the Spirit of God. Now, this is John talking to believers, all believers, and he's, he's saying it specifically right here in the context of deceivers, of people that are trying to get you off track. He says, I'm writing these things to you to warn you about those who want to lead you astray. But you've received the Holy Spirit, and he lives within you, so you do not need anyone to teach you about what is true, for the Spirit teaches you everything you need to know, and what he teaches you is true. It is not a lie. So just as he has taught you, remain in fellowship with Christ. This is so good. There's going to be stuff you get in your spirit. Now, it'll line up with the Scripture. Whatever you get in your spirit has to line up with the Scripture. It's not going to be contrary to the Word of God. But you're going to get stuff in your spirit that no man taught you. It came to you by revelation of the Spirit of God. That's part of your experience, too. That's part of your fellowship with Christ experience. No, it may even be stuff like we're talking about this morning, stuff that you knew theologically before, you'd seen that, but I remember having an experience in God when I, I've known that I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus, but I had a revelation that I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. I've had quiet, private, Holy Spirit revelations of things that God makes real to me. This is part of my spiritual growth story. There are times that you have a God where he makes things real to you. It's part of your story. You can tell that story. Well, I think this, I think this. Well, I can tell you one thing. There was a time in my life when I was just so down on myself. I just was so identified with just this sin that's so easily bizarre. I, just, I remember saying out loud, that I guess this is who I am. And the Spirit of God just arrested me. And he said, that's not who you are. And I saw in my spirit a picture of like a glory of my new creation. And the Spirit of God saying, that's who you really are. And just, re- you know, but and I knew it theologically, I'm a new creation. But it's like God gives you a momentary glimpse of what he did in you in the new birth. It's like, wow, that picture. I can't get that picture out of my mind, and I don't want to get that picture out of my mind. That's who I am. Those are some private, sweet, Holy Spirit moments that you have with God. And I like what he said, warning those who would want to lead you astray. Now, this has to do with regardless of how old you might be in the Lord. I remember, um, you know, a lot of times in my stories, I'm the good guy. I'm actually the bad guy in this story, but I got to tell it. I got to tell it on myself (laughs) because um, it was when I was kind of younger in the faith and my friend, my younger brother, Will and my good best friend, Joe, got saved and they were in, you know, following after God and they could answer to my prayer and and um, 
you know, people talk about end times, you know, are you mid-trib, pre-trib, mid-trib, or post-trib? And I was actually all three at once, okay? I've been all three. <laughs> I started out mid-trib, okay, because I saw that trumpet, last trumpet, I just kind of illogically did that. And then um, I kind of heard this thing about post-trib, don't be a spiritual wimp, you got to be strong, be tough, yeah, yeah, okay, I'm post-trib, yeah. It kind of appealed to my miracle, and I'm not no pre-trib wimp. So I, I, care about what's, I care about what's going on down here. I'm not, you're not going to catch me looking up for Jesus. Oh, no, I got too much to So I'm just saying it's, it appealed to my spiritual ego, right? You can't determine your end-time theology by what sounds the most spiritual. you got to go by what is the most scriptural. And sometimes it's going to humble your heart when you begin to see some things. But so I was kind of, then I began post-trib, and I tried to put this kind of on, you know, my brother, Will, and Joe, and all this stuff, and they're kind of, you know, they're, you know, they're, they're kind of hearing my theology, and, they're, and I could tell it was never going into them. They're kind of like, ah, you mean they, I knew the Bible better than they did, all right? But they're kind of like, yeah, that's great, Ed. We're kind of happy for you. That's, that's good. But every really, they're just loving Jesus and playing the guitar and worshiping and loving God, and it's like, oh, man, you know? Yeah, get through these guys. And then, you know, later on, you know, I just began, you know, I had a teacher, prophet, kind of divide the word and some end time stuff. I go, oh, man. Because I was just in the, really this heavied out, oh, spirit of heaviness, I'm just saying. You know, I'm trying to, you know, judge the world so Jesus could come back and all this stuff. And so anyway, um, I remember getting back and it's like, oh, man, I got free from that thing. And I remember thinking to, you know, about, you know, Will and Joe and kind of even kind of making amends and saying, you know, I just kind of see some things differently now. And, but I could tell it never affected them because there was the spirit in them. It's not like they were condemning or critical. They weren't. It's just, it just wasn't bearing witness. And so they were just staying with what did bear witness. And sometimes in your spiritual growth story, people could come along with things. It's like, man, I just, I don't quite, it's just kind of, uh, don't worry, don't, don't worry. You don't have to go there. You know what I'm saying? You stay with what you know. You stay with where the Holy Spirit's bearing witness for sure. Stay with that, all right? You, you have no obligation to have to go into the deep plunges of sometimes the abyss. You know, when people get off in some weird spiritual stuff, but you can stay with that. You're going to have to stay on that spiritual growth. I like to say this all the time. You know, I remember coming from, oh, coming there, I'm just loving And I had to come back over here and I go, man, man, I guess I am a pre-trib rapture guy. <laughs> and I thought, and I remember just in my heart, in, in, and I'm just, and you can have different views on this, okay? I'm not saying that if you're post-trib that you have an ego problem. You don't. You can, I love people. <laughs> man, I love people all across the board here, okay? I really do. So I'm, I'm just telling my story. This is my experience that I experienced, you know, as I was walking some of this stuff out. But I will, I will say I found this. When people who come along and they pressure you to have to believe something that isn't bearing witness with your spirit, I like to say it this way. You're going to have to lose some of those spirituality contests to stay on track with God. All right? Don't be intimidated to have to follow after what everybody is. And the deeps and the, you know, that's great. And I'm not saying there could be something there, but it may not be for you for now. So it's not that you're judging them that they're off, but the Holy Spirit is saying you don't have to go there right now. You know, he's the finisher of your faith, not your friend or their so-and-so or so-and-so. I mean, they may have some good stuff in them, but they're not the finisher of your faith. God knows where you're at. He knows what you need for right now. So you have the freedom to be followed and to be led by the Spirit of God and to take all things are yours. Paul, Apollo, Cephas, and you're Christ and Christ is God's. 
So you can eat off that table as the Holy Spirit is guiding you to eat off that table. That's a big part of our spiritual growth story, to realize that we have that, we have that freedom to do that. And I love this. I'm kind of concluding the growth story with this. This is the Apostle Paul. He said, now when they had gotten, this is the Apostle Paul in the second missionary journey, and he's navigating the second missionary journey. It says, now when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. After they had come to Mysia, they tried to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. So passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. Now after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. You know, this is quite a roundabout way for the Word of God to explain to us how Paul ended up in Macedonia. You know, it could have just said, now when they had came down to Troas, they could have just skipped those two verses. He could have just said, now when they came to Troas, a vision appeared to Paul in the night, and that would have been true. It would have been accurate. It would have been right. But it wouldn't have been the whole story, would it? Good people who love God, me and you who love God, who have good intentions and want to serve God, the apostle, and this is the apostle Paul on his second missionary journey. You'd think if anybody is going to get a point and click revelation from God or where to go, it's going to be Paul on his missionary journeys, establishing the gospel. He doesn't. He's discerning the best that he senses to go where God, he believes, would want him to go. And as he's going in that direction, we see here in that, you know, he had gone to Phrygia in the region of Galatia. They were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. He's going in the direction of Asia, and he's forbidden by the Holy Spirit. They tried to go, they tried, and that word in the Greek means repeatedly, they tried to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit didn't permit them. The same invisible Holy Spirit that will give you all this really cool stuff between you and Him, He'll also invisibly lead you and guide you. You, 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 you can, you know, sometimes I hear people that come to, to Door County, they came here 20 years ago, they tried to leave, but they couldn't seem to go. You know, it's like, I thought I was coming here and it's like, I've tried. It's not that anybody was saying you can't go. It's something invisible where God planted them here for a while to do some things, part of their testimony and where God will lead you and he'll guide you by his spirit. And, but here's the cool thing. Part of your story is that you don't get everything right the first time. And it's not that Paul failed and failed and got it right. He got it right all three times. The Holy Spirit said, stop. And he stopped. The Holy Spirit said, stop, and he stopped. And then he's, you know, it's a red light, a red light, and a green light. The Holy Spirit has not been sent to give you all green lights. He's been sent to give you red lights and green lights. Those red lights are for your protection. In other words, there's a grace and there's an anointing, Paul, in Macedonia that doesn't exist there right now in Asia and Bithynia. I'm the head of the church, and I'm going to lead people to be there as they need to be there. And as you're following after God, as you get your growth story, there's going to be some times and some zigzags this kind of looks a little messy. If you're following after God, your life might look a little messy sometimes. It might look a little hodgepodge, but it's not. You're just following after the leading of the Spirit, and you're learning how to be led by the Spirit of God. That's part of your growth story, is learning that. Because I've blown some red lights, you've blown some red lights, and things happen when we blow red lights. Praise God, He's there after we blow them. He'll, he'll be there for the pit stop. He'll get us the new tires. He'll get us the oil change. He'll get us everything we need to get back out on the road again. It's not like the story's over. But praise God that he does guide us. He, got, he does direct us. And so you got to think about your story. Sometimes you might think, I took a wrong turn. I don't want to tell that story. 
Yeah, that's part of your story, but God got you back on track. God didn't whitewash that out of the scriptures there. He included every intention that was wrong, and he included that. I'm just saying your mistakes, where God redeems and turns things around, there's a story in that. There's a story in every part of your story that God turns and redeems. It's like, well, I look at them and they're just perfect. They never make any wrong turns. They just go right to Macedonia the first time every time. No, they don't. No, you don't. No, I don't. And sometimes your missteps are part of your story. Not that you're, you're glad, but God uses those. God turned me around. Wow, if, if he could turn them around, maybe he could turn me around. Yeah, he can turn you around. Then finally, just put a couple scriptures on your present story. And this is what, what the Apostle Paul said. Not that I've already attained or I'm already perfected. In other words, yeah, I'm growing up spiritually, but my growth story hasn't ended. I'm still growing. We're always in that growth story trajectory. But he says this, or I'm already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I don't count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things that are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God that's in Christ Jesus. And I so love that. And that's there I'm talking about the present story. And I'm just going to kind of relate this kind of in closing um, to continue to go on. Well, the reason why Paul could go on, he wasn't perfected, but he did something. He said, forgetting those things that are behind. It's important to note, he didn't say, I have forgotten those things that are behind. He didn't say that. Satan's always there to remind you of what happened behind. He is always there. You've got, always got a reminder there. I mean, he won't just remind you. He'll roar those things that are behind. It's not a matter of mentally in, unable to recollect what happened. He said, I'm forgetting. I'm present tense. In other words, they might come back and I'm saying, under the blood, under the blood, I've forgiven that, I've forgiven that, under the blood, I'm forgetting those things that are behind. I'm keeping those things behind me. And this is such an important thing as it brings us to the present. Because as we're going out, we're looking at our backstory, we're looking at the things that God did. A lot of times as believers, we can find ourselves in that position where we're just looking behind. And just the ability to look ahead. Paul, Paul kept his heart. Boy, if you're not going to forget, if you're going to forget those things that are behind, you're going you're gonna to be really good at keeping a clear heart from bitterness, keeping unforgiveness out of your heart. Because this is where the story can seem to almost stop. And I'm just obsessing over the past. But he, Paul, and think about Paul. I mean, this guy hauled people off to prison. I mean, he, he could probably look at some graveyards and see some people that he was responsible. We know Stephen, the martyr, they held, he was holding the coats. I mean, I'm sure he had images of parents being ripped away from their children, thrown into jail. He's responsible for, I mean, things that he did, all kinds of stuff that the enemy would roar, but he forgot those things. He said, no, I'm not going there. I'm forgetting, I'm receiving the forgiveness of my sin, and I am forgiving those who have sinned against me. I just want to say this as kind of a closing note this morning as we're talking about our story. We're going forward in our story. Big part of that is, um, and actually... Uh, Jody's going to be doing a Bible study on this called Unoffended starting tomorrow morning. A big part of that is keeping your heart clear. Keeping your heart clear. Because if, if, as long as you're looking back, you're not seeing the prize that's ahead. But one of the great things that forgiveness does, it doesn't just check a box that you've got to do as a Christian, but it gets your gaze back forward where you have 
freedom to imagine and to see out of front what God's doing. I'm not, this is not my main subject. This is now my main subject. We're talking about the present, your story, your life. God wants your heart to be free. God wants your heart to be clear from these things. In other words, the reason why, um, you know, I just think of it this way. Um, there's a word, kind of a big theological word that we have, um, justification, where things are just cleared and justified because something has been paid in that price. I'm glad that when God, you know, you know, sometimes, and I'm just telling me, you know, I want to forgive, but it's complicated. I'm glad God didn't look at me and say, Ed, I'd like, I got to take your sin off the cross. I'd like to forgive you, but it's complicated, Ed. He didn't do that. The blood of Jesus Christ simplifies. It forgives. Human pride clings to complication because you don't want to have to trust God. But there's a simplicity. That's what Paul said. I hope you're not dissuaded. The enemy comes in and dissuades you from the simplicity that's in the gospel. The simplicity of the gospel is that Christ forgave you through the precious blood. And the simplicity also is that we forgive even as. There's a simplicity in God's forgiveness of us, and there's a simplicity in our forgiving others. God looks at that cross, and he sees the suffering of Christ on that cross. And when it comes to the injustice of everything you've done wrong, God says, Ed, all the injustice of everything you've ever done wrong against me is satisfied in Christ's suffering. And when we forgive even as, we're looking at that same cross. We're not pretending the offense didn't happen. The offenses and the hurts, they really happen. But we're looking at the same cross. We're looking at the same suffering of Christ. And we're saying, yes, Christ didn't just die for the sins I committed. He died for every sin that was ever committed against me too. And I forgive even as, as the Father has forgiven me, as the Father's heart, his sense of justice was satisfied in Christ, my sense of justice is satisfied in Christ. Now, I can't do this with a mere human decision. I can't do this with Ed House. Apart from him, I can do nothing. He didn't just tell me to do this and be a good Christian. No, he shed the love of God abroad in my heart to equip me and give me the capacity to make that same gaze. And I make that gaze by faith. Not because I feel it, because he gave it to me. That love that he forgave me with, he has shed abroad in my heart and I can look at that cross and say, okay, Father, even as you've forgiven me, even as you looked at the suffering of Christ and said, that's sufficient for what you did against me, Ed. I look at the suffering of Christ and say, the injustice is satisfied through Christ's suffering. I'm free to forgive. It uncomplicates it. I am free. That grace works in both directions. It's an even as. It's his grace toward me. It's my grace toward those who sinned against me. What is this important? Why is forgiveness, why to end a message like this of knowing your story? Because this is what keeps your story going. This is what takes you on to the next thing instead of living with that backward look. What's next, Lord? What do we got? I mean, I'll tell you what I do, just a simple little exercise sometimes. I'll just go through my family, my friends, church, work, whatever, just go through people and just clear my heart. Nope, nothing, 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 nothing. Almost like a, your car needs that three-month oil change. We need that oil change too. 
We need to go through and just make sure our heart is clear from bitterness, free from that. Praise God. And to receive that, know that God is there. Know God wants us looking forward. Finally, Paul said, at my first offense, all forsook me, may not be charged against him, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. So the message might be preached fully through me and that all the Gentiles might hear. Also, I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion and the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve for me his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever and amen. amen. Think of, and this is why this is such an important verse. What Paul says here, at my first defense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. In other words, his entire cast of supporting characters left him. Could you still make it if all your supporting cast of characters left you? Yeah, because there's somebody who doesn't leave you, no, no matter which of your supporting cast of characters. In other words, my, I'm not fully dependent on the, the cast of characters. I thank God for every one of them. I mean, you read the book of Romans, Paul's rattling off name after name after name after name of supporting characters. But he said, all forsook me. He said, may it not be charged against them. He kept that heart clear, didn't he? So he could keep looking forward because the Lord stood with him. Oh, this is a man who knew how to walk forward. He knew his story. He knew where he came from. He knew how he grew, but he had a present story. He had a heart that kept going forward in God. Well, Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for just that message, that story, that we've got a story, that our story collides with your story, Jesus and that where you have loved us and given yourself for us and we've called upon your name, you've changed our lives. We thank you for your story that lives on the inside of us. And we just declare this morning that your story is our story. Help us, lead us, guide us. Grace us, Father God, to know our story, to know the hope that is within us, Father, and to be led by your Spirit, to share our story, our testimony that testifies with the prophetic anointing of your goodness, of your grace, Father God. Help us to see this treasure that we have in these earthen vessels, Lord, and to release it and to bless this world with what you've done in our hearts. We thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. We'll receive that this morning. You got a special story. God's done some stuff in you. You know, there's things that he's continuing. He's, he's, he began this good work. He's going to be faithful to complete it in you until the return of the Lord. But, um, there's something in you that is so cool, that is so unique, you know? We all have our story, and there are similarities in maybe how God did, but it's just different faces, different people, different circumstances. And sometimes there's people that are going to come into your life that'll just be for a fleeting moment. I remember I was telling you about that seeking error that I had. I, I ran into another Lutheran guy whose name was Steve, this tall, blonde-haired, lanky guy named Steve. He was going for something more, too, and had a good Lutheran background upbringing, knew the word, like myself. And we're both on our deals, and I'm kind of looking for something that has, like, normal tongues that isn't whacked out and weird, but just something that has it in the right place. He's just looking for more of different things in the word. We're kind of looking at different things. And I remember he ended up, I ended up with Bethel Church in Eau Claire. He ended up with Amy Chapel. It was like the Eau Claire, Chippewa Valley area just a good word, solid-based church. And remember, we found what we were looking for, and we were praying with each other. We were visiting churches together with each other, and I never saw him again. It'll be 40 years next year since we did that. And I've still never seen him. I don't know where he is. I still, I don't even know his last name. Just this guy, just a supporting character in my life that the Lord had there for a few months. You're going to find amazing, and I'm looking forward to, you know, seeing him in heaven someday. But there's special people God will bring in your life to support you, to love you, and to help you on that, that journey. Praise God.